You're listening to a DM podcast. Welcome to this episode of Behind the Podcast from the Australian Podcast Awards, your weekly dive into how some of Australia's most interesting and successful podcasts were created. I'm your host, Jules Batstone, and with me as always is Anthony Stockdale. Hello. This week we talked to Kate Watson, the co-host and commercial director of The Squiz. Built on The Squiz newsletter, they were one of the pioneers of the daily news podcast format when they launched all the way back in May 2018. Squiz heads will be familiar with Kate. If not, here's a little sample. From Thailand to consumer sentiment here in Australia, we cover the lot here at The Squiz. <laughs> it looks like we're starting to feel a bit better about where things are at, Claire. Yeah, in fact, a lot better. Consumer confidence has jumped to its highest level in more than two years. The Westpac Melbourne Institute Monthly Index says that consumer sentiment has jumped by 11.9% in October. That's the highest level since July 2018, and it seems to be the federal budget. The Squiz is your shortcut to being in informed by providing an opinion-free take on the news. We wanted to talk to Kate because The Squiz is a small independent company going head-to-head with the likes of News Corp and the ABC and winning. The Squiz were able to find their niche nice and early and by listening to their audience and keeping them engaged, they've been able to grow their brand and business without compromise. Let's jump into it. Kate, what can you tell us about The Squiz? The Squiz is, I think we're about four years old now, and we started as a daily news email, which was designed to get busy people across the news, plain and simple. It's opinion free, it's factual, but we say it's opinion free, but with personality. So we have a very specific tone that is really hard to describe, but you should anyone listening should sign up and you'll you'll see what I mean. Claire Kimball's the founder and she's very clever at making the news easy to understand without treating you like you're an idiot or telling you what to think. And I think uh, that's a, a very certain skill. What we soon realized is that we really wanted an audio version of it. I, I like to exercise in the mornings or at that time I did pre-baby. And I was like, I, I need to hear this. Like, I feel like there's an audio version of this. Um, so Claire and I decided that we'd become podcasters. Thank you for helping us out with that, Anthony, to start with. We had absolutely no idea how to do that. But sort of just put it out there. And that was a couple of years ago before podcasting, I think in Australia particularly, really took off. And we were quite lucky. We got a bit of time to warm the audience up to it, to sort of get them understanding what podcasting is. Please don't go back and listen to some of the first episodes we ever recorded. They're horrific. But I think what we did was just getting people's day where the, when they needed us. Um, the idea being exactly the same premise as the email, give people the news in a quick, succinct way in under 10 minutes that doesn't tell them what to think, but makes them feel like they can head off on their day and be a little bit more informed about what's going on, not just here in Australia, but also around the world. And that's the squeeze. So you're not traditional journalists, but you have worked in that sort of industry. No. How, where were you working before you started at the squeeze? We met working in politics, Claire and I, and Larissa as well, who does host the podcast now on the days that I don't, um, also is an ex-political staffer. So we've got sort of a media background. Claire then went into corporate communications. She worked at Woolworths before leaving to start the squeeze. And I went after politics into media. So I worked at the Australian Women's Weekly and also at Sky News. And my background is, is not only the content side, but also I'm the commercial director. So I'm in charge of making sure we make money. 
I think that really differentiates you from a lot of the other daily news podcasts that are out there. You're not coming at it as journalists, you're coming at it from more of a, I guess, a political background and mm. media as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, we like to think of ourselves as the audience and we are the audience. The reason we decided to do it is because we needed something like this in our lives. We needed a shortcut to being informed every day and we try as much as possible to always continue to put ourselves in the audience's shoes. Will they understand that? Will that make sense? Do we need to unpick that a little bit? Are we using too much news jargon? You know, all of those things. And that really helps. And I just, or, and we, both of us when we do it, and I know Larissa does too, we have someone in mind, someone we know that we are thinking about when we're talking to, and we're thinking, is will that specific person that I know understand what I'm saying here? And do I need to unpick that a bit more? Do you ever actually run it past the person you're thinking about and check if they do follow? All the time. It's actually my sister. And and sometimes she says, that was rubbish. That was terrible. I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> so you're but, quite happy um, to get that it's feedback. A t- it's a helpful way to be. Yeah, I'm very happy to get that feedback. And I think also, I mean, political background, you are thinking about the voter all the time. Like you're thinking, how is the voter going to perceive this? What's the perception going to be? All of that stuff. So you, we kind of come at it straight away from... Yeah, that perspective of, you know, people whose feet are on the ground. What do they what do they need to know? What do they want to know? I love it. It does feel more like a daily briefing than a newscast. We don't really know exactly why it's worked. It's it's sort of happened a little bit organically in that mm. sense the podcast is is different, but it's hard to say how it's different. You mm. just have to kind of have a listen and and then and then you know. Mm. No, it feels like a cheat sheet. I feel a lot smarter. I know I've got to jump on the day. Definitely. Great. That's what we're going for. <laughs> when you first decided that you wanted to do this, did it take a long time to get the idea and formulate how you wanted this to sound um, before you started recording? If we tried to do it now, knowing the landscape podcasting now, having a bit more experience, listening to podcasts, hearing podcasts, we'd overthink it a bit more or maybe think about it a bit more. We didn't overthink it really much at all. Anthony was there from the start. We sort of had a couple of practices. We learned how to edit and we just put it out there. It wasn't that great to start with, but certainly um, I think the concept was great enough and we've certainly learned how to present better and all of those things and become a bit more professional. But that's just been a a learning and, and we've been like, the audience is so generous. They've let us, they've given us so much rope and let us learn, which is, Pretty cool, really, in hindsight. You had worked at Sky, but was this your first time on air hearing your voice? Yes. Still hate hearing our voices. We both <laughs> oh, we both still struggle with that. I, I still think I'm rubbish. Claire tries not to listen to herself too much. We yeah, we look, we try not to overthink it and I think we don't overthink it because it's about five percent of our job. Like we have all these other things that we're doing every day. You get up early, you you get it out, and then you just get on with life. And not having that time to think about it too much and having a hard deadline of 6 a.m. that it's got to be out by means that you that you can't overthink it. You just you just move on and on to the next day. Um, can we have a chat about your process? Yeah, sure. So how does an episode come to life? It's all rooted in the email. So the email is drafted the night before or the, the, the afternoon before. It's finished at somewhere between 7 and 9 o'clock. I then jump in and pull out, really write a podcast script off the back of that. So I'll jump in and decide how we're going to pull it together as far as a podcast might go. It's quite different to the email, but with the same key 
news stories. We then go to bed. Both of us try and go to bed quite early. Uh, Claire's up super early, quarter to four, four o'clock to check the news from overnight. She adds in anything that she sees and picks up and particularly obviously US news, UK news, that all comes in Mm -hmm. um, while we're sleeping. She adds that to the email. I get up about four, jump in, update the podcast script. We jump online together or it's a phone call actually. I don't know if if people listening are probably hardcore podcasters so might be interested in the technicalities but we actually just jump on a phone call and record directly into Adobe Audition so separately we're not looking at each other we're not in the same room or anything people are often quite surprised to know we don't get up and go to a studio we actually just do it from home and we do that at about 5am it takes us about 10 minutes 15 minutes or so Claire jumps off goes off and sorts the email out uh, leaves the podcast to me and have it all edited up and out by six o'clock did I miss anything probably no, I think that's pretty good. I mean, the 6 a.m. deadline is quite intense, <laughs> certainly for someone who's used yeah. to waking up a little bit later than that. Did you think at all, like, <laughs> maybe we could deliver this first thing in the mid-morning at all, or were you always wanting to be first thing in the morning? <laughs> yeah, we might have done that again in hindsight, perhaps if, yeah, if we had our time again. No, it's really super important to the squeeze that we are in people's day first. It's key to the success of the business that people have a moment with the squeeze when they wake up. I mean, let's face it, what we do is we wake up, pick up our phone. Most people who read the squeeze will read the squeeze today email first up um, and then they'll jump in and, and have a listen to the podcast. So any later than that, and they've already, you know, they've already consumed the news. They've already turned on the radio in the car. They've already flicked on the TV. They've already had a chat with their partner about what's happening in the day. We have to be first. We have to be there first. And it has to be current. We quite, quite often get the question, do you record it the night before? And it's like, no, things move, things change, things shift. The sentiment's different the next morning. The mood's different the next morning. You just can't. So we can't see a way to do it any other way except that. Yeah, it's definitely the better for it. Just having that absolute immediacy, I think, with what's going on and you feel like you haven't missed a thing between the time that it is published and when you are listening to it. You talked about, you know, well, you know, the line is it's fact, not opinion. Where do you get your sources from? And do you try and keep that from the whole range of the media landscape to ensure that you're not sort of leaning in any one particular way? Yeah, the sources, again, it all comes back to the email and where we source our news from. We use a wide variety of sources. Journalism is super important to the squeeze. Having a strong journalistic industry in Australia is super vital because we trust them. We just trust all of our sources. So we trust everything from the ABC through to the Daily Telegraph, through to BBC over in the UK, CNN in the US. All the major news networks is where we get our news from, just the same way as anyone else would. And what we're sort of experts at is then curating it in a way that people can read more if they want. So we provide all of the links in the Squiz today email if you want to read more and also to verify so also to back up what we're saying but the skill is then in actually presenting it in a way that people want to read it want to be informed as someone who's not a morning person what's your secret (laughs) to sounding so fresh so early no, oh, I don't know if I do sound fresh. Some days I, I had a, I had a message the other day from some a cousin actually. He was listening from Paris. He'll love this, and he was like, "Do you have a cold? You sound like you have a cold." And I was like, "No, I don't have a cold." But that's terrible that I sound like that. It's just <laughs> I think some days you sound better than others. I think that's the kind of feedback that only your family can give you. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And I now it makes, it makes me sound like the only people who listen are my family. Now there are more people listening to the Squeeze Today podcast. <laughs> Just my family, I can, think. Can attest, I am one. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Apparently, though, I have heard that you need to take a few deep breaths. Apparently, that helps your voice sound fresh in the morning. But 
I don't have a secret trick. I think it's just practice. A lot of us, when we started working from home this year, the routines of actually getting up and, and you know, showering and mm. getting dressed, like you're going to the actual office. Did you consider that when you were starting out? You thought, all right, we've got to have all this done from 4 a.m.? I think actually the most interesting thing, I don't mind the early morning. I think it's the night before that, you know, you're kind of winding up for the day and you go, oh, I've got to write the podcast script and I got to, I've got to watch the news, you know, like I... I've been doing everything else that you do when you're running a business all day and what actually happened today. So for me, the drain is actually the night before and getting to bed early and all of that. The morning, ah, oh, it's fine. We just do it now. Just do it. That's true. I do. If I've got to get up early for a flight, well, when that was something, always get the yeah. early morning anxiety the night before. Yes, it's, it's the night before. The, the morning's fine. It's definitely the night before. And I mean, it's been great. I, I quite enjoy that you're kind of done with that at six o'clock and you're, you're up and you can go and do something. And life's changed a little bit because of it. And, and, and for the better, I think, for me personally. In the early days, what happened if one of you got sick? Did you have to perform with a cold? We didn't. Yeah, we didn't actually get sick. Um, or if we did, we just did it anyway. Thank God for Larissa, though. So she joined the Squiz. Uh, she run, she's our engagement director. She runs all of our, our growth, basically, for the business. She's a, she's a gun. And she put her hand up when I said, I'm, I'm having a holiday. She said, OK, I'll learn how to do the podcast. And she's killing it. So when I went on maternity leave, she was able to slot in. And when I came back, we've kept her doing it two days a week because she's brilliant at it. And it, it certainly helps me out. The problem is if Claire ever falls off a cliff or something where in a bit of trouble <laughs> but she hasn't yet she's taken holidays though hasn't she she has bryce corbett who hosts our squeeze kids podcast he has filled in for her at times and so we've got a couple of backups but to be honest yeah i mean when you're not going out at night and you're not drinking and doing all of those things that you do to get run down and sick and tired then you just doesn't happen you just peak performance you're healthier maybe yeah <laughs> a secret to life there you go <laughs> it's a bit boring though you're very committed with the start times when you were formulating the show did you have an idea for what you wanted the frequency to be at the start it was let's just you know throw it against the wall and see if it sticks really um we didn't think it think it through too much if you're running a business and you're seeing th- something grow you just want to keep doing it. You don't really put timeframes around it. You just go, people want this every morning. We have Christmas off. We have a couple of weeks at Christmas every year. But when you jump into those numbers every month and you see growth, it's much easier to get out of bed every day. It's very motivating. Yeah, yeah. And we have, ever since we've launched, we've seen growth. So um, there's been no reason to get weary, so to speak, at, at this point. I think that really comes off in, in your tone of voice and the energy that you guys are still bringing. We went back and listened to your first episode as part of our preparation for oh, this no. conversation. No, look, Are it's, you going to uh, play a clip of it or something? Please don't will, do that. We will not. <laughs> but look, episode one, I mean, there's a, it, it's the same format as you have now. It's, there's, a, yeah. there's a couple of small, like tiny ums and ahs. Other than that, it sounds very similar. There's talk about China trade war. There's talk about You're an kidding. Ebola breakout. I mean, this is the 21st of May, oh 2018, and the news cycle is pretty close. There was oh. Ebola. There was talk about Russia poisoning a spy. I mean, it's the same You're news kidding. cycle. No, That's really it, interesting. It's wow. all there. But, I mean, the format was spot on. It was short, yeah. seven minutes. I mean, you're up at about nine yeah. minutes now. What's changed, I guess, in your process? We're better at it. It's easier to do every day. I think that 
that's certainly changed. Claire and I, I think, and her and Claire and Larissa now too, just a much better rapport. I think it's just a lot more natural. The editing process is a lot easier because of even just the way that we deliver. We know how to deliver things and to, and to say things that is going to make it easier to edit. The, the timing thing's really interesting. It's not been deliberate. We've always, we, we really always want to keep the squeeze under 10 minutes, the Squeeze Today podcast. We just are naturally going a slightly little bit longer and, it's, and we don't think it's um, laboured at all. Got a lot more advertising in the yes. podcast than we did when we started, of course. I'm sure you're probably going to ask me about that, which is a good thing, but it's also just a whole heap of additional work because of the mm. way we, we do our advertising. It's all host reads and very bespoke and like it, it is intent, labour intensive as far as making sure that it fits our audience and our message. And then we've also decided to do a weekly podcast, which is just added to the podcast workload. But um, Squish Shortcuts is, again, it's just going well, so we keep doing it. I just want to nerd out on production for a minute. What are you recording on? We're recording on a road. NT-USB mic. Was this the first <laughs> microphone you chose or have you got to this one? This is the first one. This is the first one. Uh, we all, The whole team uses it now. Everyone that records podcasts at the Squeers use those mics. We love them. We've just bought a couple of minis to travel with because we do often podcast from wherever we are, which I find are really, really good as well. We use Adobe Audition to edit. Are you editing everything? Sorry, I'm editing everything on Squiz Today. Uh, Larissa as well on the days that she does it. And then um, Squiz Shortcuts, we've actually got Lara who works with us doing the editing of Shortcuts, which helps a whole lot. I was doing it for a while and I think you can over edit yourself as well. I think it's quite good to have someone else do it. Absolutely. Say, do you want to uh, touch a little bit on revenue and, and how you came about doing the reads and, and the format that you chose for that? Was there a bit of discussion about the style with which you do ads? Yeah. So, well, there's a sort of a style for the squeeze more broadly. We had a lot of conversations about this before we even launched the squeeze as a, as a business. Um, Claire and I would talk a lot about how we commercialize something. We are of the firm view that media should make money. And if we're doing something that doesn't make money, why are we doing it? And that's sort of a, just a, a key thing for us and always has been. So as far as the live reads in the podcast go, uh, the idea around it is that we'd always work with brands that um, are relevant to the audience, that make sense, uh, that have something to say to our specific people and not to everyone, to our specific people. So to our audience of people who are busy, educated, relatively affluent, people who want to be informed about the news. The age group varies, it's sort of 25 to uh, 50, 60, but they are very much of a like mind. Um, and the reason they come to us is for that reason that they want that opinion-free take on the news because they're smart and informed themselves already. The way we do it is a host live read. I do it. Larissa does it. Sometimes we do a back and forth with Claire. We've always been very sure to tell people when it's advertising to make it clear this is an ad, but to try and, and give them the brand message in a way that makes sense to them and to our, to our tone and, and is true to our tone. Well, it's going well. So far, so good. So yeah. far, so good. What are some of the key moments uh, along the journey in terms of growth? You said you've experienced the uh, yeah. constant growth, but were there any key moments where it's really picked up? Uh, I think when another, another podcast has mentioned us, you see a kick. And in an organic way, not in a paid way, just in a, you know, we really like the squeeze. And I know that the Shameless Girls did that very early on um, in their podcast. Michelle was a big fan of the squeeze and she mentioned it and that gave us a, a good uptick. Getting featured on Apple, always very good. I think for any podcasters out there, if you can manage that, that certainly helps quite a lot. And unfortunately, there's no sort of magic wand you can 
wave that gets that to happen, but does certainly help. Spotify has been great. We've been included in Spotify's Your Daily Drive playlist, um, which has given us a really, really good um, additional reach this year. Very conscious of that though, because for us, it's then about converting people to become daily listeners of the squiz and we're, we're seeing really good results in that regard so sort of those three things can be big chat 10 looks three as well i know lee and annabelle talked about the squeeze early on as well so that's been important and launching new products too so when we launched squeeze shortcuts we found a new audience again which have then come across to squeeze today and launching squeeze kids so our i haven't really talked about it but our daily news podcast for seven to twelve year olds we're very specific about what we launch and how we launch it but it certainly does help when we do it right. We definitely see an uptick there. We definitely do want to talk about shortcuts and squiz for kids. I think we'll start with shortcuts. So for anyone who hasn't listened, this covers everything from TikTok to Yemen, uh, recessions and Donald <laughs> Trump and, and everything in between. Absolutely fantastic format. And I love as someone who used to read the news and you'd see some stories and you wouldn't have a clue of where to start. It's just a fantastic sort of launching point that gives you a bit of context behind the stories so you feel like you can get right in. How did you come to this format? Uh, Exactly what you just said. I personally felt that I needed that. I was so frustrated often reading the news because there's so much assumed knowledge. And particularly when you're coming into a story halfway, which you generally are with international news as, as a best example or politics or you kind of don't really know why this ever started. And I think all of the reporting and even just the way that websites are and everything, it's very hard to find the backstory. It's very hard to sort of, yeah, just get that general knowledge that you need. And I, we launched actually Shortcuts with an with a, um, episode on Hong Kong, which for me, I mean, I, I knew about Hong Kong. I, I sort of understood, but I didn't really understand the relationship with China And if I don't understand that, I can't understand anything that's happening in Hong Kong right now or anything that's happening between China and the West, really. So the idea was just to really bring it back to very simple facts and and give people the tools they need to then go and read widely and be informed widely about things. Shortcuts is really actually very difficult to do. We spend a lot of time doing it each week. Claire's a gun, as everyone probably can hear every morning she knows so much um, and she's incredibly good at, at researching and incredibly well read so she spends a lot of time still every day hours and hours reading the news so she's excellent at getting to that the nub of that of what that is um, and then I'm a sort of the audience I'm the person going yeah but you said that but what did you what did you really mean and I think that's why shortcuts work so well because we've got a very good understanding of the role each of us plays and that's the concept behind it and it's yeah it's been very well received we're really stoked about shortcuts really proud of it actually what's the process does Claire come up with the bigger points and then you you get them and then you quiz her or I yeah. guess what is the process <laughs> behind it all we probably need a better process it's <laughs> somewhere when I was on um when I was on mat leave I would do a lot of the writing of the full script and the research Lara helps a bit with the research as well um lately Claire's been picking most of it up because it's stuff that's really interesting to her, like the US election. We've got a number of episodes by the time this goes to air that'll be out on the US election. It's a bit of a shared job. It's hobbledy-cobbledy. I wish we had a better process, but for us it works. But I I wish I could give you an answer that is a lot more like, you just do this, bang, bang, bang. But it's it's pretty ad hoc, actually. (laughs) It's incredibly conversational, the style. How scripted is it? I script everything I say. Well, actually, I'm I'm getting less like that, but I I really that's just must be a it's a personality thing. I need 
to have things written down. Larissa scripts most of the things she says. Claire prefers to talk just offhand. And then we edit edit her down. But to be honest, these days she basically nails it in one sentence, um, one or two sentences, and, and is, is super succinct. So um, it's something we've all learnt and gotten better at. But different people for different things. And I think it helps. It helps. Claire certainly talked about how it helps her with being conversational to not have a script. Whereas I would just lose my train of thought and it'd be terrible if I didn't script it out. So I like to script it out. But if you see my scripting, there's no spelling or grammar in it. Um, <laughs> it's sort of some weird, weird language that I write for myself. <laughs> Dashes and dots and pauses and yeah. <laughs> I figured out. There's some, yeah, it's squizzlish. Let's, let's call it that. <laughs> let's jump into Squiz Kids. This is a very unique format. How did this come about? Um, the audience asked for it. So we have a, a real hardcore following of parents, parents who really enjoyed the squeeze because it's safe, it's positive, it's, again, opinion free. I feel like I've said that a lot, but we, we always, we ask our audience lots of questions. We survey them a lot, particularly that, that rusted on audience of squeeze heads that we call them. Um, and they are squeeze head. They're reading the email every day. They're listening to the podcast every day. They're all over all of our shortcuts. They, they're, they're really engaged and, um, and we asked them what they what they want from us and what came through strongly last year was that they would like something that they can listen to with their kids and that, and that they had been listening to Squiz Today with their kids and Squiz Shortcuts with their kids and could we do something for, for that age group. We had a look at the market. There was nothing there, which was surprising to us that there was no other daily news podcast for kids in Australia. Bryce Corbett has been involved with the business for a long time um, in the background and he was super enthusiastic about the idea um, and had a lot of ideas himself about how he would bring it to life. Uh, he's got kids in that age group, so he immediately said, "Yes, this is a thing. This is you know, this has got to happen." But I think, I mean, primarily the audience wanted it; they asked for it, so we did it. A lot more seems to go into the production, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. You've got Bryce hosting. You also have the kids yep. who are doing reads as well. Are they related to you, or are these professional They're kids? His kids. They're his, They're his kids. kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not a lot went into the production. I mean, they just recorded those couple of lines and then, you know, you just drop little bits in. You guys know how to edit podcasts. But it is a lot more lively as far as production, of course. And you, we wanted it to have that really positive, you know, musical, the- a little bit of theatre about it. Just it's got to be engaging. It's got to be full of humour. And that wasn't a guess. We actually spoke to people who have worked with kids and producing content for kids who understand this and we consulted them and we we sort of asked how you would you do this and and that's that was the end product the quiz elements are particularly brilliant idea yeah yeah get the kids to summarize have have you been paying attention we um we've dabbled with quizzes a lot with the squeeze i really think they're an awesome tool for sharing and for getting people to talk about what you and what you do and that family environment where you're doing a quiz together I think is is really valuable and I think with home devices and listening in the car and initially obviously Squiz Kids was designed for the school drop-off which has been a weird year for the school drop-off but that idea of, of, of a shared experience is, is I think really important and it's something you don't often think about with podcasting because it is sort of that very one-on-one interaction you've got your headphones in and you're listening to a podcast whereas a kids podcast they don't have a device. They don't have a mobile phone. They don't have. They don't have the app. They're turning it on with their parents, with their siblings. So it's important that it has that that element to it. You mentioned the target audience. You think goes up to about thirteen. Yeah. Yep. Do you have an age in mind? And is that when they then transition to be full time squiz listeners? Yeah. Interesting. Um, 
I think older, that older age group, 13 to 18, is it's harder. It's harder to grab them. Whereas the whole idea around this was that we weren't actually mark, – we're not marketing squeeze kids to kids. We're marketing it to their parents to turn it on and have them listen to the news in a safe way. Because overwhelmingly they said to us, I don't want to put the news on. Like I don't, I don't want to put the telly on. It's too dark. It's, it's too depressing. The radio is either, you know, very dull, dry, non-kid content – or it, FM radio and some parents don't want their kids to listen to FM radio and I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a fantastic tool fueling the conversation between children and their parents, I think, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that, that is the idea. You actually you nailed it. I didn't, I didn't make that point. point. Bryce will kill me if I don't. But yeah, generating a conversation between kids and their, their parents is, is a huge part of it. Um, we'd like to move on to talk about your audience now. A lot of podcasters don't know a lot about their audience. Yep. You have a newsletter and you do an annual survey. Uh, I imagine you know a bit more about your audience than the average podcast. Uh, I hope so. That That's the idea, I think, of doing this. And I think, I mean, that goes back to the what I was saying before about the fact that this is a business. We're running a business. And if we don't know who our audience are, how do we sell advertising into it? And you can sell advertising just based on scale. But will the advertising be any good? Probably not. Will it be relevant to your audience if you don't know who they are? Potentially not. So as much as it is wanting to know who's listening and wanting to make sure we're servicing them and giving them what they need, um, it's also about making sure that we can go to advertisers and say, hey, this is who's listening. This is You need to be in this podcast to reach these people. And I, I only think that's going to help the category more broadly. I think it's a really important part of how podcast is going to make money. Agree. What can you tell us about your audience and how much does it differ between the podcasts and the newsletter? It doesn't differ that much. So what we know is they are female predominantly, although in the podcast that's becoming more 50-50, which is quite interesting to us. But the highly engaged audience uh, on the podcast and the email are female. They, on the email, are a bit older, so more like 35, 30, 35 to 45 on the podcast, more like 25 to 35, which has been interesting for us. It's a bit of a shift. I always tell Claire that the email subject line is fine, but if it's an 80s tune in the podcast, the audience may not know it. (laughs) If I don't know it, they may not know it. We have a good laugh about that. We know that they are relatively high income earning, but relatively speaking. So, pretty run-of-the-mill. They are highly educated, actually. So, post-grad was one of the highest qualifications that um, squizzers have. They live all over Australia, which is super exciting to us. We're both regional girls. We're both not from Sydney, not from a major city, and we have a really strong regional audience. It's about 30% of our audience, which is so cool. And the rest live in our sort of our major capital cities, of course. What have I missed? What else do we want to know about them? We reckon they've got a great sense of humour, and we reckon that they're pretty informed by now. Definitely, they have to be after listening to the Squiz for so long. As a highly desirable audience as well for advertisers. Do you have any international listeners or is it? do you find like the format being, you know, first thing in the morning news, it's, it's not so relevant to those audiences? I reckon that's a potential audience for us, not, in, not like expats, Aussies living overseas, although they've all come back now, haven't they? What advice do you have for anyone looking to start a podcast? Look, I think now, these days, it's important to actually look at the market, look at what other podcasts are there don't don't just do a podcast without having a look at who your competitors are who you'd be competing for for audience I think is probably very important I don't I don't know how much thought a lot of people put into that is there someone already doing what you're doing is there someone doing it 
but not doing it very well, can you improve it? Actually take the time to look at the market because it, there are a lot of podcasts. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, just, just really understanding the lay of the land and then probably having a plan for growth. Like how are you going to grow your podcast and understanding how that actually what what you need to do, what you need to put in place to do that. Because if you do want to make money off it, if you do want it to be something that's that's commercially viable for you, you do need that reach. So yeah, just getting an understanding of how you can get that. If you want to do it for fun, just do it. Like the barrier to entry is so low. Like why not? But there's there's two you know there's two different types of podcasters: the ones that want to make millions of dollars and the ones that are just happy to put it out there. I think that's fantastic advice for both sides of the spectrum. While we're on audiences and podcasting, could you tell us about any other podcasts that you're actually into, your guilty pleasures or otherwise? <laughs> I've got a few, but I'm a total netball nerd, which is something that probably the Squiz Today audience would know about me. And it's So I listen to the Inner Circle podcast, which is Sharon Whitman, the best netballer Australia's ever seen, and Bianca Chatfield, and it's awesome. Uh, I don't think they don't do it after the end of the netball season, though. That's my favourite podcast. Obviously, I like stuff that's educational i don't listen to podcasts for entertainment i'm all listening to them for information so for the industry nerds the digiday podcast is my favorite and then i also have been listening recently and i think it's fantastic it's a more local angle to the mi3 podcast by paul mcintyre that's an industry nerd one but it's um pretty important for anyone who is looking to make money out of media and and is interested in marketing and advertising it's the best one i think very boring answer Sorry. Not at all. I think a couple of ones I will start to listen to myself. Yeah. I feel like I've just missed out on the netball one though. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. Only people listening who love netball should listen to that one, but it is brilliant. But the, yeah, those industry ones are, are really good. And I mean, yeah, that's the interesting thing is how people listen to podcasts. I, for me, it's it's definitely for information, but I know for a lot of people it's for entertainment and the crime ones are, are massive and yeah, it, it sort of depends what you use it for. Well, we look forward to Squiz Babies and Squiz Netball coming up in 2021. <laughs> and... Oh, I don't know if I could do a mum podcast. I don't think that's really me. <laughs> but you haven't ruled out the netball one. <laughs> but I haven't ruled out the netball. I'm not ruling out the netball one. Absolutely not. Sharon McMahon and Bianca Chatfield, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Podcast with Kate Watson from The Squiz. Links to all things Squiz are in the show notes as well as Kate's recording setup and favourite podcasts. Remember to follow and subscribe for more conversations with the people behind your favourite podcasts. This podcast is a partnership between the Australian Podcast Awards and DM Podcasts. Remember, nominations for the Australian Podcast Awards are announced on the 31st of October. Be sure to check out the website for details.